Welcome back to Beneath the Beat. Per usual, we've got another really special guest today. Uh, he's got a brand new album out called Color Coded Heart. It's streaming on all major platforms. So if you haven't heard it yet, please go listen to this album. Uh, we've gigged with this guy all over the state. We've seen him do some amazing things and some amazing national tours now. So please welcome Jacob Sigmund. Tell us about tell us about this new album because we so for it like I saw the post the day it came out and I instantly listened to the entire thing. Oh, and thank you. We're gonna we're Dude, gonna get so more. Good. We're gonna get more. Thank yes, you. we're for for all our listeners. Jacob Sidman, new album, Color Coded Heart. Check it out. It is gorgeous. Thank and it you, just kind of takes you it takes you on a ride a little bit because every song we were talking about this the other day, but every song is different and unique. And it felt like you, you know, there's some albums where people are like, oh, we, well, we just got to have like 10 songs. So here's the key songs and then here's some other filler songs. It, you were so deliberate with every tune. And every tune was so different and unique. And that's what I love about this album. Thank you so much. Um, uh, so just kind of what, what, I guess, where was your thought process in creating this new album? Like, yeah, let's just start from there. Well, so I had like, when I started doing this album, I had like kind of came off of like a EP series. Yeah. And, um, I had written most of like those EP songs from, I did like three, four track EPs Mm -hmm. and all of those songs I'd written in college. And I was kind of like, while I was producing or like, you know, kind of recording those and like trying to figure out how to record music a little bit quicker and better, which was like a real trial and error process. I was just like trying to think about what my sound was, you know, I'm like, okay, what do I sound like? Like I have to figure this out. And like, I just like it felt like kind of a, a crisis because I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, like what I'm supposed to sound like or like if I like I kind of was like, I have to sound like one thing, you know. Mm. And so then I. It was kind of like a self-defeating mindset. So instead, I was just like at one point, I I, I was like, I just got to write everything and not think about what it. I mean, it seems like the obvious answer, but like not really even think about it, just do it for the sake of doing it. And then kind of through doing that, I was like, I want to release something. I don't want to release an album. You know, it feels like a big commitment. So I wanted to just, I was like, what if I did one song every month? And that was Mm. kind of what led me to Color Coded Heart. And I was like, okay, like that could be cool. I'll do one song each month. And like, I'll try to pick a color that like represents that song Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. And love like I, my friend, I don't know if you guys have met my friend Riley Savage, who he does all my visual stuff. And mm. we kind of came up with the concept with the colors and everything. But it was funny. Like I, I did this thing last year where I like I was I decided I was going to write 100 songs. And that was like my big goal for the year. And one of the first songs that I wrote I think it was even before I did that was color coded heart. And then I, it didn't occur to me until like it was the last single. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I'll do this super old song and then I'll name the album color coded heart. So that's kind of where my head was at. And like, so I was 
while I was making this album, I was just doing all of this writing. That was like, I was like, I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to work on anything else besides writing. And so by the time I started releasing these singles, I could like pick each month. Like I'd have maybe two or three that I'd be like, okay, like one of these could be cool. And by the end, it was really great because by the end, like I was more consistently picking from the newer material. Mm -hmm. And I think I've Mm -hmm. like, I've gone on a real like journey of discovery, man. There you go. (laughs) I feel like I have a better understanding of, of myself as a songwriter. Yeah. Maybe not in like a genre specific sense, Mm -hmm. but just like what I like and what, you know, what I feel like I can sound like authentically. Well, I know when you got, when you released one of the first singles, uh, it was like almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that collaboration that you did with Haruki, like lovers do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instantly, it was like, whoa! Well, oh, that song, that song, like, really came to life when Haruki played on it. <laughs> <laughs> he was playing on it, and I was like, yeah, man, like, I just don't really know what, like, what I'm gonna do for the bridge yet. So, like, mm-hmm. we tried a few things, and then he was just like doing his Haruki thing, and I'm like, yeah dude, do you want to like maybe take a solo in the bridge? <laughs> like, the bridge ultimately just was a bass solo. And, like, so, and then I was like, he was like, okay, for sure. And then I was like, what about the outro? Like, do you want to mm-hmm. play something? And then the outro became a bass solo too. But and, I, like, I love that the outro is like a, like a recapitulation of, uh, of the, of the bridge, right? Yes. Yes. I can't, exactly. I can't sing it, but. It's I know exactly awesome. what you mean. So instantly when you came out with that single, it was it was almost like a year ago, right? I think, yeah, I think it was the November. Yeah. So almost a year. I was hooked immediately. Wow. I was like, I want more. <laughs> yes. So yeah. I think I think you've achieved Thank you. what you yeah. were trying to go out for. Thanks. So I also have to say, um, I showed a Salvation Song to my mom this morning. And my mom literally started crying. Like, oh my God. Like literally started crying. And as soon as the song is over, she's like, that's it. I'm in love. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, <"Mom."> wow. <laughs> yeah. No, that like, was out. That's a, that song in particular is just like, <sighs> it's, Man, it's powerful. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. And the crazy thing about that song is I feel like it gets truer every day for yeah. me at least. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. just thinking about, how music is like a light spot that you know is like always like kind of like salvation in a world that seems like so full of darkness you know yeah Yeah. specifically now that's a very important that's a very important message to send out yeah Um, 100% so like salvation song you're are you using a vocoder or what is the what is the so, um, yeah, so I, have you ever heard of this artist, Victoria Canal? No. She's incredible. Um, and I saw her open for, uh, well, actually I played at this gig at the Blind Pig a couple years ago mm-hmm. with her and Lawrence. You guys know? Oh, Lawrence? yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a killer show that I kind of lucked into. And um, she, like, I remember she did this thing and sound check with like a, it was like a, like a kind of Imogen heap type of yes. a mm-hmm. vocoder thing. 
And that, I was like, that is crazy. And then I noticed like she is like one of the best performers I've ever seen because like, you know how it's how it is in the blind pig when it's full, like people oh, are yeah. talking sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. and like, it's like, you know, hard, especially solo to hold that room. And yeah. she like, they were like right there in the palm of her hand all night. Uh, and like, oh, yes. she did that vocoder thing and it was like, you could hear a pin drop. And I was like, that is sick. I want one of those. Yeah, and like, yeah. I want to try to do that. And so I, I got the vocoder cause like I was about to go on my first tour and I was playing solo every night. And I was like, what am I going to do to make this crowd listen to me? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to do something with the vocoder, you know? Mm-hmm. So I bought a vocoder and the first night I got it, I was like very up in my feels, you know, and I plugged my mic in and I wrote that whole song there because wow. I was feeling a lot of those anxieties. And so that's like one of the many times I feel like the technology has led me to the song, yeah, you know, which is like not a thing that our forefathers really had. They just had no. the imagination, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that was cool. And I, every night on that tour, I'd open with that song and people would stop talking and then they would listen to my whole set because like once it's quiet, no one's going to be the first one to talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dude, that's so legit, man. Mm -hmm. That's so legit. And when you, when you can have that power where you're like, everyone is paying attention to what you're doing and what you're saying, that's such a, a powerful thing to experience, you know? Yeah. And you know, the really crazy thing about it is like, I feel like most of the time it was your first instinct is to try to talk over people. Yeah. But like people want to hear you, you know, if you're just like quieter than them, then they'll stop talking. Yeah. 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 And I like that you're talking about like how you strategize your set list. Oh yeah. You, know, you start, big... you start with something like that. That's so quiet to grab people's attention and people, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, I'll go see live music, you know, it's going to be loud. But if you can, if you can grab their, it's, it's apparent that you can grab their attention more so by how quiet you play. Exactly. Which is so yes. beautiful. Yes. And I feel like ugh, there's got to be some sort of like allegory for the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, one one group that that I notice like has that down pat is Bonnie Iver. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Did you see them in Detroit at the Fox? No. Oh my god. Dude, this year has me literally like regretting every single show I didn't go to. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Where you like can't go to any. You're just like ah. Yeah. Man. I'm like, yeah. What? What was fifty bucks? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. For an experience that you will have for the rest of your life. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh my god, dude. I think about how I didn't go to see Anderson Pack at. Uh, dude at metal i was there i know (laughs) i saw because you know what i saw all of my friends there on instagram (laughs) i'm like everyone's there literally everyone like i couldn't even do anything that night because there's no one to hang out with everyone was at the Uh, answer dude it was so good with thundercat and jesse reyes oh my yeah like are you kidding me oh my gosh it's like you walk in because i walked in a little later um and thundercat had just started playing i'm like walk in and i'm already like like they're i think the second set in and they're already just go they're shredding 
Dude. Like stuff that I can't even follow. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know what they're playing. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that concert was unbelievable. I know for me, like I was having like a lot of anxieties and that concert was like the first day that I was really able to be like, nope, things aren't that bad. Let's go. It was, it was having that experience at that concert, just being there and being like, Dude, this is it's the greatest thing in the world. Like seeing Dude, that. Yeah, yeah. There's and that's another music, man. It's a he, it's healing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's I think the thing that I love about like about music is I oftentimes whenever I'm showing music to my friends, they often say, "Well, Zach, you just always listen to sad songs." And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm kind of a sad boy, I will say. Like, I'm I'm, I'm in my feels most of the time. But like, a yeah. lot of these songs, they're like, it like with music, it doesn't have to just be like happy, and it doesn't have to cheer you up to be healing. You know, like yeah. it, it can be a sad song, and that helps you feel exactly what you need to feel and get it out. You know? Yes, like, man." And like, I feel like today it's so easy to, for us to distract ourselves rather than like actually feel what we're feeling. And then we just push it all away or like try to get, fix our problems, like with these really, I feel like fleeting and material solutions. But like Mm. sometimes a song will just like get you where you didn't know that you needed to be got. And then like after that, you're like new. Yeah. I had this crazy experience the other day. This song had never clicked with me. Mm-hmm. And I listened to A Hard Rain's Are Gonna Fall mm-hmm. by Bob Dylan. Mm. Oh my God. I like literally started crying yeah. for like five minutes. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, just like, I, I feel like I went through my whole childhood. I like thought about how the song was so different when I was a kid and like the difference was that I understand the darkness of the world that I didn't understand when I first listened to the song. Wow. And like, I'm like, Oh, like this is why people loved Bob Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, what was the, uh, what was the artist? I was just obviously, Jacob Collier, he did a cover of mm. Fix You from Coldplay. Oh, so oh. good. So good. He's crazy. I was in my car, dude. I yeah. was in my car and it was, again, like you were just saying, Jacob, it was just like flowing. It's like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh my God. And then since we're on the topic of like getting the feels through music, I don't know. I For something like just he just does it like Jacob Collier just brings it out of me, man. But that new single that he has with, um, so you just released Jesse volume three mm-hmm. and that single that he has with this, uh, woman rap artist Rhapsody. Which track is that? It's called, um, it's called he won't hold you. Oh yeah. 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 He won't. <laughs> and then and it wasn't even like anything that he did like it wasn't anything he did she took a verse or she took like she took a section and she just went off and it was like so simple behind what she was doing but the words that she was saying like every time i listen to it it just makes me mm. it's unbelievable um, and that is like one of the things that I love so much about Jacob Collier is mm-hmm. like 
he is the most one of the most talented musicians that we've ever seen mm-hmm. and he has no problem sharing the spotlight in fact yeah. he loves when he can take someone else's voice mm-hmm. and like amplify it and like mm-hmm. make them do something unique and that's so cool yeah and i feel mm-hmm. like that is why he's like homies with quincy jones I yeah quincy yeah jones yeah, yeah. he does a lot of collaborations yeah and like uh, that's one thing that we noticed about your album too is you do a lot of collaborations um, oh yeah yeah well you do like do more yeah you're doing like well especially with this new album it, like oh you're, yeah you're collaborating with a lot of different people it seems like it's you know you're collaborating with Hurky. Um, who else do you have on this album that you're collaborating Evan with? Taylor. Evan, Evan Taylor. Evan Taylor. Madeline Grant. Yeah. Frankie is on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On there. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, Datsun, um, mm-hmm. who's like my producer, and he we, we work a lot together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Like, it, I, I mean, I guess, you know, it, it just kind of all happened naturally. You okay. know, like, and... I think that that was like the cool, that's like one of the things I miss the most about live shows is like you connect with people there, you know? And like, like I met all of those people through playing a show and like the relationship with those artists, like ultimately was much more important. And it's what I remember versus like how many people were at the show, you know? And that's the great thing. Like, that's what I miss the most is like, the opportunity it's like feels like like sharing like mm. show and tell or something everybody gets yeah. up and does their thing everybody listens you know um but that's how i guess how i connected like with haruki and i was mm-hmm. like oh shit like and because i was like <laughs> it was out of necessity there was like right. a number of times where i was like well i can't play that or like i can't <laughs> sing that <you> know? <laughs> like so that was great too i think that yeah. i would like to get I want to do more collaboration, you know, collaboration is such a cool thing. And I think that it's like, it brings, you know, it brings things out of you that you didn't know you had and vice versa, you know? So like going along with that, when you write a tune, do you, do you like you're writing this tune and you're like, I think Frankie would be really good on this tune or I think Evan Taylor would sound really good on this tune or is it like what how does that process work for um, you? Yeah, well usually I like won't go there until the song is over. I guess well with like lovers do, I remember playing that and being like I this is like hard to sing like maybe I need to like pick a different melody and then I was like well if you if like it doesn't sound good you singing it you can always feature a female vocalist and I was like okay cool Mm -hmm. so I went into it thinking that 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 like that song would always have a feature but like with something like baby bird which features Madeline Grant and Evan I or Evan Taylor I never I never like when I wrote that song I was not thinking of that arrangement really at all um it was like a song that i tried to record a number of times and been like there's just something not right about this and then i was like okay maybe i just need like to do something fresh and i i remember you know it's like one of those things i was like why doesn't the why doesn't the chorus feel as good as it should right like why does it feel so much like the verse and i was like well maybe just because like you know it's 
kind of similar if you just do something different with the first i was like oh great i'll feature somebody and then of course madeline's like sang on it for like one second and i was like this was the correct decision (laughs) (laughs) so good um so it was like a mixture of just kind of like meeting people it was like both because like it was a necessity thing like i need someone and then i was lucky enough to be like you know, to have a pretty deep list of like amazing people that I, I want to work with. And like, right. you know, that list is, is still out there and I, I want to, uh, I want to keep doing more shit. You guys included, I want to <laughs> finish that song that we did for tasty Tuesdays. Yeah, That's yeah. a, that's a full song. That's a that's full a, song. Is that really? Yeah. That's a very, that's a hook, man. I Thank sing you. that all the time. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. your guys, I thought your interpretation of it was right on because I wanted really? to sound like, have you ever heard that uh, that song, Oh Loretta by Sex on Toast? No. Oh Loretta. <laughs> by Sex on Toast? Sex on Toast. See, this is the other reason why I love just interviewing so many people because you learn so much music that you didn't know before. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sex on Toast. What's Sex the name of the toast. song? Oh, Loretta. Yeah. Uh, we both kind of take notes during these things. Not yeah. Not <laughs> You're like, oh, that's a good one. I got to look that shit up. Yeah. yeah. Always take notes. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, the way you played and the way the melody was constructed, it just kind of wrote itself. It's right? like I could, yeah. I could feel it immediately. I listened to it like a couple times. It's like, oh, this is the feel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, sometimes a song will just do that for you. Like, I yeah. think I had, I had that idea. I get a lot of my best ideas, I think, in the car. Or like, mm. I've read this. Um, have you ever read The Artist Way? Mm-mm. So it's like this 12, it's like this 12 week program to get in touch with your inner creative child. Okay. Okay. So it's really cool. I've only like made it through the fifth week and then like life got too crazy and I had to stop, but I want to do it again. But one of the things that they said, or that the author said to do Julie Cameron was that when you're having trouble getting like somewhere with a creative idea to like do some sort of menial task to distract your like kind of your over analytical brain and allow mm. you to like, you know, figure it out. Cause you like know where to go. It's just like, oftentimes you get in your own way, you know? Yeah. So like sometimes I'll like drive and write a little bit. I'll like have the beat on my like car stereo and I'll oh, wow. be like thinking about driving or like yes. if I, if I got to do some dishes or like take a shower and like soap myself. Yes. Like that, that's when I feel like I crack a lot of those songs. So that one I wrote, I remember I was in the car and I was like, da, 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 da. And I'm like, Oh, that's it. And then I just, that's it. Dude, do you use like the voice notes cool. app? Do you use? The oh yeah. yeah. I have so da, da, many da, da. voice Dude, I have this hilarious voice notes that I was like looking through the other day and I was like, it was like really mumbly. And I was like, what is this? Like, what is, what am I trying to sing? And then like, I hear myself start peeing. Oh yeah. This is like, this is like a song I had in a dream that like didn't turn out to actually be a song. It was just like part of my dream. (laughs) Dude, 
dude, that's so funny. <laughs> that's really insightful, though. Like doing doing some sort of task like that's what? that's really insightful because I get a ton of ideas driving, and I just yeah. never never figure out what to do with them. And then now thinking, well, you can go back driving. Yeah, you gotta get back in the car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's go. <laughs> and like, what is it with the shower specifically? For me, the shower is everything comes to my brain i don't know what that is you know i think that i honestly think it could be because like everybody sounds their voice sounds better in the shower but i think i think it's because nine times out of ten for me at least what stops me from writing a song is like me being over analytical like Mm -hmm. me like it's not that i can't think of like a chorus but it's like Mm -hmm. every chorus i think of i tell myself no or like it has to be this specific thing like i have this idea it has to do this but like when i'm like doing something else i'm not thinking about like no you can't do this or that or this i'm just like thinking about what i'm doing and then it'll come through so i feel like with the shower like that's one of the only places where we we vulnerable have like a yeah Yeah. (laughs) we're we're naked (laughs) where we're like doing something else, but we also like are thinking, you know? Yeah. Cause like, I don't know when I'm in the car, usually I'm like listening to the radio or to mm-hmm. music or a podcast or I'm mm-hmm. texting mm-hmm. or I'm on Instagram, whatever it may be, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Not when I'm driving. Yeah. No, no texting and driving or definitely no Instagram <laughs> yeah. and driving. No. Who does that? Mm-hmm. No, but that's, that's, that's just uh it's really, it's really crazy to hear that because everybody has such a different process of, of how they get yeah. things to come out, you know? And yeah. one thing that I find in in my own creative process is like, I'm, I feel like I'm never self-confident enough once I get the idea out, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I always talk myself out of the idea, no matter how good I think the idea is, I always talk myself out of it, you know? So yeah. how, how do you get over that and mm-hmm. get into actually getting all of this stuff out there and being able to say, this is my album. This is color coded heart. Yeah, man. I, I go back to the, the um, year of a hundred songs, man. That is what changed it for me because suddenly like I've redefined my, you know, what success and failure meant to me in terms of songwriting. And um I was able to, anytime I wrote a song, like I would have a reason to finish it. And when I finished it, I wouldn't be saying this is good or this is bad. I'd just be like, okay, this is another song because like to write a hundred, I had to, I had to write every, every week, you know, multiple Mm -hmm, songs. mm -hmm, And like, mm -hmm. I had to do it. I had to sit down and I had to finish it. And what I found is like every song teaches you something, you know, and every song is like a beautiful picture of you in that moment. And like, you know, like it's, I don't know. I feel like that having to do it over and over, it just gave me a a sense of like confidence and like distance, you know, because if, if, you know, before I was writing maybe 10 songs a year and every single one was so important because there's only, you know, so many of them that come along and I'm like, Oh, this, this is like a magical thing that I have no control over when I think that it's a muscle like anything else. And I think that, um, the other big thing that helped me was journaling. Mm -hmm. 
um, in this artist way, one of the things they say to do is to write three pages of stream of consciousness journaling every morning when you wake up. First thing you do. Wow. Because not only are you like kind of getting all of your internalized anxieties about the day and maybe the day before, whatever it may be, out on paper, you're also like already you're being creative and the day is only started. You know, you're letting your mind go down mm-hmm. these different paths and then, you know, you get yourself nice and lubricated to to get into it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I never would have thought to do that. No, me neither. Me neither. And usually when I think of journaling for myself, I'm like, okay, well, I'll journal before I go to bed. But that's, that's yeah, also but- a really awesome thing to think about. It's like, it's totally different if you journal right when you wake up. Yeah. And I think both are important. I, the thing is I end up writing pretty much the same thing every day. It's like, Mm. I need to stop Mm -hmm. smoking so much weed and focus more on my music. And then like every, like so often it'll be like, damn, I wrote a pretty sick song last night. I really am proud of that song. And then the next day it'll be like, damn, I got to stop smoking so much weed. (laughs) I wrote a really dope song. I was super high when I did it too. Yeah. That's exactly Oh man. So what made what inspired you to just <laughs> like okay, I'm writing 100 songs this year. What inspired that? Um well, honestly, I so like one time I got coffee with Theo Katzman. You guys know Theo mm. Katzman? Oh no, never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has been like a really uh awesome, you know, supportive guy as yeah. I kind of like delved into songwriting and songwriting is, is something he's like, that's his bread and butter. So right. it's something that he's always down to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so like anytime he's in town, like we try to get some coffee and we were talking about songwriting and I was just like talking about all, like, I want to, like, I want to write. I don't know. Like I'm trying to figure out what my sound is, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you have to read this book. And he got me this book called, um, the war of art. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm throwing all these like self-helpy. <laughs> books yeah, no, this guys. is wonderful. But um, it's about like the, the concept of, um, of practice over product. Essentially. It's like mm-hmm. this dude was like a movie script writer and he just always talks about how um, you had to, to write and you had to accept writing bad songs or I mean, Mm. you know, bad, whatever it may be. And like about how, um, he like talked about how you can almost like, uh, humanize whatever forces there are in the world that are there to keep you from doing your work. Mm -hmm. And like, he calls it resistance. So like all of those different things that you can identify and they're there. I feel them in my life every day. There's always something that is trying to stop me from this. Mm. And oftentimes it's internal, but um, so I guess like, you know, doing that, I forget what your question was. <laughs> well, I was basically what inspired you to write a hundred, like, say, oh, Hey, Jacob, uh, yes. I'm going to write a hundred songs this entire year. And that was, yes, exactly. Yeah. That was it. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to do this. I think I maybe kind of had like some sort of concept of, I wanted to write a lot of songs, but right. then I, I read that and I'm like, yes, I'm doing this. This is what I need to do. 
And I, I remember telling myself specifically, like this year I will write bad songs and I will not be afraid to do it. Wow. And I did. I wrote some out shit for sure. But like <laughs> every time I would do it and I'd be like, well, I said I was going to and I did it. You know, you I go. today instead of instead of being afraid of writing the bad song, you know, it's or and the thing is, they weren't bad songs. They were mm-hmm. just like songs, you yeah. know, yeah. and I was just like the crazy thing, too, is like there were some songs I've written this year. And, you know, after that experience and during where I was like, I couldn't think of where the song needed to go. Mm. But then a melody from one of those songs that I didn't like really that much Mm. comes to me in this new in this new context. And it's exactly what the song needs, you know. So you're creating like this 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 toolbox almost of like melodies that you can just kind of pick out of like whenever whenever you need them, basically. Totally. And I mean, like, I feel like, you know, that's kind of what we all do when we listen to music and we emulate other artists and we steal little licks here and there Mm because that's just how it it works. And it's not really stealing. It's just like music, you know. So but it feels a little bit more honorable when it's something that I've written versus something that someone else. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, that takes a lot of discipline and it, it it's tough for a lot of musicians to find that discipline to say, for the next year, I'm writing up 100 songs. Yeah, no. And, you know, it wasn't so much about getting to 100. It was just mm-hmm. more so about doing it consistently. And, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I think the 100 just made it easier for me to work towards a tangible goal. You know, because right. that's something yeah. that's so lacking in our line of work, I feel like. There's not really a lot of tangibles. There's not, mm-hmm. like... There's no A's anymore. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess there are some A's, you know what I mean? <laughs> Go. <laughs> That's my go-to lick, man. That's what I always go to. It's I can't, yeah, dude. Because I can't sing anything else. Dude, that lick, <laughs> two, I feel like two licks reign supreme. It's... Oh, that one and... uh maybe a, a hearkening to our childhood <laughs> it's everywhere it's everywhere man yeah i always think of the jazz like yeah that one's nice i've like yeah. i feel like i've 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 found that one slipping into my uh into your mm-hmm. rep into my mm-hmm. rep lately <laughs> dude that reminded me because you've <laughs> You've played with Theo Katzman. You've also you also opened for Corey Wong. So you're pretty tight with all those Wolfpack guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we have the the University of Michigan connection. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but they're also like very down to earth people. That's awesome. And yeah, which is like exactly like what you would hope. And mm-hmm. I feel like you can kind of tell from their their music and their whole oh, yeah. shtick, you know. Yeah. They're like funny right. and stuff. But um, you know, uh Erez, and Dan Sager, who both like I used to play with in college more so, um, but they're born and raised in Ann Arbor. And Theo was their like guitar and drum teacher growing up and stuff. Oh, dang. Yeah. So like when we went to L.A. for the first time, we like were able to, you know, hang with him. He was really right. cool. We just mm-hmm. like talked to asked him questions and shit. And he's a really cool guy. And then kind of since then, I stayed in touch with him. And I remember, oh, my God, what a disaster. 
I was opening for him. I like, I like, okay. So I was playing in this like kind of like electro funk pop group uh, called Flight Wave my senior year of college. Okay. And I was in a little bit over my head. It was this dude, Jesse Clayton um, from the Mac pods. And he's like mm. incredible player. Um, but like, I kind of just like, he asked me to join the project and I did. Um, and it was cool, but it was like a lot of time. And like, but he was also like getting these crazy gigs. We played at like Huluween and we opened for Papadocio for three nights. No way. <laughs> it was like crazy. What? So like, I'm here like playing like on like, uh, someone else's moog and juno yeah and i'm like not taking care of my voice it's my senior year of college i'm like drinking a lot right and like i'm not getting enough rest we go down and we play uh at suwani huluween it's super dusty and like meanwhile like i've been emailing theo katzman like hey man do you need someone to open for this show and he's like oh i'll let you know and obviously like two weeks later i'm like hey man like just following up here blah 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 and then so like we're coming back from suwani huluween i've like barely slept at all and like i've been taking care terrible care of my voice and like he emails me he's like hey man like let's do it and it was like that friday <laughs> it's like oh, in three days whoa. and i was like okay and the day of the show <laughs> i had lost my voice it was just, I've never experienced anything like it. Like, I could not make a sound. It was crazy. I'm like, this is the day that I've lost my voice. Like, I don't, and I literally just, like, all day, I didn't say a word. Just, like, I bought, like, a humidifier, and I was just, like, drinking tea and sitting over it. And, like, just, like, my break, like, after I would get, like, you know, to, like, the low mid of my range, my voice would just break, you know? Wow. So, like, I got, I like took a bunch of experimental, you know, I got like some little singer saving grace. I did some apple cider vinegar. I did some right. salt water. I did everything in the book. And like, I was just like, all right, guys, we're going to go for it. And like, I had to change my set a little bit, but just like, it was crazy. And my voice was like fucked up for like months, but it was okay. It was okay because the show Whoa. went okay. And like, nobody really even remembered so it's just like everyone's like oh yeah you played that show that was cool and we did good you know it was fine like ever the band really held it down and i just like i just my voice was like really gravelly and weird but wow that's the crazy thing ever since then man don't you love don't you love when that happens to it's like a high pressure situation or like a new a new echelon and you're like then something crazy happens yeah just like you have to you have to you have to figure out a way to get through it yeah 100 you know man the show must go on yeah <laughs> dude i feel like before like every uh every gig every big gig i'm on like high alert like right mm-hmm. don't get near me yeah <laughs> like don't get what near if me. i get sick that's and i feel like I'm, I'm like living that vicariously like in joe biden right now i'm like mm. don't you get sick motherfucker <laughs> you keep that mask on you stay indoors <laughs> like don't go you stay anywhere. indoors man don't do the debate you don't need to do it like yeah. just stay yeah. you won you won the debate just take a knee bed let rest the clock, yes. let the clock run exactly. out exactly <laughs> this is a time for for clock management yeah. <laughs> i feel that way too that was that was that was mind-boggling that debate that was mind-boggling oh yeah. Dude, I couldn't unbelievable even, bro. like i was so i was in this room painting when it happened and so I 
I like went home afterwards. It was like two o'clock in the morning and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this debate now. And I get on Facebook real quick and I just see everybody like, oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, man. Oh no. I, that was I, five minutes into the debate. It was yeah. like, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, here it's we like go. Can look away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like I don't know if what was more surprising the the debate or everybody's surprise at the yeah. debate. Like, yeah. like, wait a second. Like yeah. I even was surprised, but I was like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. this <laughs> is like guess what I would have guessed would happen. <laughs> right. Well, I remember I turned to my girlfriend. Uh, we were about to turn it on. I was like, this is gonna be terrible. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to lose brain cells after watching this. And yeah. Literally, dude, it did not. We were collectively dumber. It after. did not. Everybody is now dumber after yeah. watching that. And I, yeah. I, it was like five minutes into it. I was like, here we go. Here we go. Light it up. Light it up. Yeah. And I mean, I and think I, the cool thing about it, though, was that everyone like doesn't matter. on the same page. Yeah. Like doesn't matter what party you are or anything. Everybody's like, OK, that was bad. Which is hilarious yeah. because how terrible the presidential debate is what united a lot of people. Yeah. There's We're, so much there's so much disagreement on social media. And yes. then see like everybody on the same page. Mm-hmm. We once, hate the lunch lady. Was kind of refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> lunch lady land. No, it's just yeah, it's that just, was rough, man. so wild. Like what I was thinking, like while that was going on, I'm like, okay. So we had all of America to to find someone yeah. for this job. And this these were the best two options that we could come <laughs> up with. Like what? What? That's that's mind-boggling right there in itself. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, okay, here's what I would say about Joe Biden is maybe the thing that our country needs is somebody who was everybody's third choice, you know, because uh, nobody's too happy and nobody's too upset. We can right. be like, oh, yeah. okay. And, yeah. you know, he seems like a real anti-Trump because he he's like, his whole shtick is like, I am very empathetic and I care about you. Yeah. I'm right. Like your, I'm like your, your loving grandpa or something. Exactly. You yeah. know, I it's, think that's, I don't know, man. I think he, if he wins, because his his policies are so progressive, it's crazy, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Yeah. But his whole like vibe is like very moderate, and like mm-hmm. everybody, nobody cares about policy anymore. So I don't mm-hmm. know, man. I think he could be like a real dark horse. Maybe in a mm-hmm. couple years, we'd be like, "Yes, that's my guy, Joe." Mm-hmm. But who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah. Who knows? I my fear with it is that it's it's the younger generation. So like really like our generation. Um, my fear is that because it wasn't Bernie, they're like, well, it was Bernie or nobody. So yeah. they're not going to vote. That's my biggest fear with it. You know? No, I feel you. You know, I, but it doesn't, it feels different than it did last time. Yeah. I think yeah. the, the thing that people like, cause I mean, I have like PTSD from the last election, just like anybody else. But right. I think the thing yeah. that we forget is like how powerful that feeling of there's no way he's going to win. Right. No, that was like kind of the dominant undercurrent of everything that was done. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like if if people knew that he was going to win, mm-hmm. you know, if that election had been held and then held the day after again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and then let's also not talk. Let's 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 talk about how 
only 40% of the population actually voted in the last election. Right. Too, yeah. yeah. Which is like what Zach, it was like basically less than so, yeah, he, less he than 20%. Yeah. Like, less yeah, than 20% percent actually he, voted for yeah, Donald he Trump. He lost the popular vote and 40% of, okay, I'm going to say loosely 40% because I don't know right. the actual statistic, but it was less than 50% of the registered voters in the U.S. voted for Donald Trump. So that right. means that less than 25% of the population actually voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. That's crazy. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Dude, but like he, you know, I, I loathe everything about him, but like, Mm -hmm. think about how this country has woken up since then. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty amazing and pretty Mm -hmm. undeniable. Like the figures that we have in Mm -hmm. Congress now Mm -hmm. that are like so Mm -hmm. much more reflective of who we are as a society, not perfect Mm -hmm. by any means, Mm -hmm. but like closer. And like, Mm -hmm. I feel like our generation has like been like, I don't know, we've started to, to stand up for what we believe in. And like, Mm -hmm. we're fine. I feel like we're finding our footing on how, to make that impact, you know, and suddenly like millennials and Gen Z between the two of us, we we make up, you know, one of the biggest voting blocks in the country now. Like we're yeah. taking, we're taking over kind of. Yeah. Well, that's, you know? that's how I feel like it should be, you know, and, and that's this last like midterm election is really what, what brings me hope because like, People, people our age have loved for years to talk shit about, you know, the old white people that run the government. Right. Right. And also just like old white people that we will say are bigots. I've always loved to talk shit about them. But you know what they do really fucking well? They vote. They vote. Yeah. (laughs) Like you can't talk shit if you don't vote. Right. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing, though, is like I've seen a lot of like what a lot of my my like very, you know, outspoken left friends will say to that is like voting, like voting is just one way to get involved. Like and to them, what is more important is like these kind of um, these community organizations that are Mm. centered around things on the ground level. And I think that that is like, we got to have both. Like, and I think that if they're doing that, they're probably going to vote as well. But like, I think that we've like, our politics have become, are so much more personal to us than I feel like Mm -hmm. they were to our parents, you know, Mm -hmm. because like our, our generation, I, or, you know, what do I know? But it feels Mm -hmm. more connected, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm we care about these issues because we care about other people, you know, and or like our peers, you Mm -hmm. know? And like, I feel like we're, we're more connected to one another than our parents' generation was. And especially like across different boundaries, you know, racial and socioeconomic boundaries. I feel like there's more empathy there, but you know, that's also coming from a a place of significant privilege. So sure. But but yeah. I mean, as much as we, we think that, or as much as we say that social media can be detrimental, there's a lot of great things that I think, um, there's a lot of great things about social media that I think were the, uh, were the mindset going into it as far right. as like connecting people, like 
connecting people in ways like, you know, you haven't seen somebody in 20 years, blah, blah, yeah. blah, stuff like that, but also connecting people in ideologies and just getting other people's perspective on life, which I think is so important. And I yeah. think, Jacob, I would agree with you too, is more prevalent now than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just so- be, empathy is such a, an important thing. It's such an important thing to be just as a human, just to be empathetic towards other people's situations and other people's experiences. Dude, absolutely. And I think that that is kind of what 2020 is, has taught yeah. us, all of us, right. really. It's like, whenever has every single person in the world gone through the same thing at the same time? Wow. Yeah. And yeah. maybe never. At least we've never been able to do it and see the the world do it as well, you know? Right. So, like, I feel wow. like when I think about, like, what I'm experiencing and know that, like, every other person in the world is experiencing that same, like, psychological pathway and, like, it just made me care and see other people, like, in a new way. Like yeah. when I, when I think about how lonely I got sometimes, and then like I talk to one of my friends and they're like, I feel that exact same way. Like, I don't know why, like things just feel different. And like everybody is experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Like no matter where you are and, and where you come from, mm-hmm. maybe you're feeling it in a different way, but it's like that, that same threat is out there for everybody. And like, wow, I feel like, I feel like it, it's a, there's a lesson to be learned about caring for one another there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point though. Like bringing up the idea that, yeah, there was a pandemic that happened like a hundred years ago, but people were still just secluded to their own environment. They were not able to see a collective experience of it. They were not able to see that from a click in their, in their, in their computer screen or their phone or anything like that. So it's so different. Everybody is experiencing this together in a new and different way which is something honestly i've never thought about i've never thought about that that's dude and awesome like i think the other crazy thing is we're confronting these big systems for the first Mm -hmm. time like uh, we're talking about the police as a system we're talking about democracy and elections as a system we're talking about the medical field as a system and now we're talking about the music industry too Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because of uh, president-elect Kanye West, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, I feel like, and because, like, the music industry, we're going to have to kind of build that, rebuild. That right. Thing, you know? Yeah. And I think that artists have so much more power than they ever did before because they mm-hmm. can record and release their own music now mm-hmm. that we can, we, I, I hope that we can be like, no, like, no more of this, like, bs record deals that like totally screw the artist like we're done with that shit you know yeah yeah you know it's really like social media is it's a it's a big part of my life but it's something i have very conflicting feelings about Hmm. i work in social media like i i run a digital marketing company that's like what literally I spent all day doing social media shit. So I, I feel very conflicted about it for, for the reason that, that it 
connects people of similar beliefs, which is a great thing and an awful thing. Because yeah. here's here's the way that I look at it. So all social media, all it is, is algorithms, right? And these algorithms can be extremely beneficial for society as far as connecting people from around the world, allowing us to have a shared experience globally, like it's allowed us to do with COVID, right? But when it comes to like facts, like straight facts, we can't even agree on how many people have died from COVID. We can't. And the reason is because everyone is in a talk bubble. These algorithms are showing you stuff that you are more likely to engage with. So it bases that on your previous decisions, what you've previously engaged with. So over time, with with this new bout of fake news, you know, people just putting things out just for clicks because their clicks make them money and all this kind of stuff, we're incentivizing fake news because it spreads faster than than real news. So now you get these yeah. this system that is created to keep to boost engagement because that's where the companies make money. And it's doing that by showing them false information and putting them with a huge group of people who also believe the false information. So now they're yeah. not only believing this false information themselves, they're now invigorated by all these other people believing this false information. So, and these yeah. are things that we all know, but it's like, it's, it's a really scary time because social media yeah. is great. It's made for a great purpose. It does really amazing things. But at the same time, if we don't start addressing this, if we don't start addressing the problem of fake news, then it could totally destroy society. Oh, it's going to get, yeah. yeah. It would get crazy. I saw today Facebook, uh, they removed anything QAnon related. So that's good. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I totally feel you, man. It's crazy. Like, I feel like this happened with like yellow journalism, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like the regulation just hasn't caught up with the technology. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that if they reined it in a little bit, it could be like it was when we were in grade school. You know? yeah. Right. yeah. And it's a fine line too, because there's so many people that could use the, use the argument of free speech. Exactly. Right. And it's exactly. such a fine line, but there's also, you know, yeah, it, that's a, that's a very fine line. Mm-hmm. Um, and which makes it dangerous. Grapple with. Right. It makes it dangerous, but also the, at the same time, it makes us have to like sit there and look at ourselves and be like, well, we cannot be, we cannot be uh, so inclined to go one way, and one algorithm. We have to be a little bit more open-minded. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way that I look at it is that it has to. If this is going to change, it has to be legislated. Like it has yeah. to, because right now, like these big social media companies, which again I directly benefit from. Because that's what I do for a living. So hey, yeah, these, man. these big companies are literally, they're financially incentivized to keep you on the platform longer. They are financially incentivized to do that. So if something is not legislated to make to, to prevent them from doing that, then it will not change. It won't because they're making more money. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Like you better watch you better watch what you say, Zach. You're gonna you're gonna get fired. 
I'm going to get fired from yeah. my own company. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg's going to say, you can't give me money anymore. Yeah. I won't allow it. You're done. You're done, Zach. <laughs> I saw some meme the other day. It was like, it was like your parent in like 2010. It was like, don't believe everything you he- read on the internet. And then like mm-hmm. your parent in 2020. And it's like, did you see that Hillary Clinton cooked a baby in a stew? And ate it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Oh my like, God, that is so accurate. Like, we're not the ones getting fooled by the fake news. We know what fake news looks like. Dude, but like, so true. These boomers, dude. they, you know, that God is, help them. They don't know the difference. Dude, that's that is so mind, true. That is I've never thought true. about it that way. <laughs> that's, that's so, so good. That's so good. I've we like, I remember we had to take so classes. Yeah. We've had to like take classes about how to know if a site is like yeah, credible, credible or not. But like, I, I feel like older generations haven't. Yeah. yeah. Wow, we went deep there, right? Everybody knows that. We were talking a lot, a lot about social media, and we had a great time talking with Jacob Sigmund on the podcast. This brings an end to part one, but join us back here Thursday, January 14th at 11 a.m. Eastern time for part two. Thank you, guys. Till next time.